Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Before we turn the calendar into July, where our focus is going to really start to be on the start of NFL training camps in the NFL season, let's spend a lot of time today going over the NBA. Okay. Starting with the NBA draft. Now, I was expecting just a gangbusters of big names being traded, and that didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. There were some trades that were made, but it was more draft pick related. Um, but what were your... Just general thoughts, and then we'll go ahead and we'll break down some of the teams that we thought did really well. Um, but just your general thoughts about how the draft went. Yeah, I mean, I, I expected trades. Uh, I, now that everything has been said and done, I, you know, that's going to be more for uh, when the free agent market opens up. You know, as far as that is concerned. So we'll take a look at that, and uh, you know, but it still was it, it was a de- it was a decent draft in my opinion. Uh, it didn't go at least for the, my top five that I predicted last week. It didn't go in the necessary order that, that I thought it was going to go. But then again, this is a flat draft in my opinion. I think it goes by tiers. I think in that, you know, that top three to top five, in my opinion, very close as far as prospects are concerned. You know, we, and we won't know. And to me, the biggest question mark in that top five is Chet Holmgren, you know. Until his body fills out, we won't know how well that guy does. We, I, you, in my opinion, you cannot judge him this year. If he is number one by the end of this year, then sky's the, the limit. Exactly, because th- then he's he is truly the unicorn. But he, in my opinion, he, I don't think he can get there without that body. Well, I think we were surprised by by the top pick. I mean, I think you had Benchero going third or fourth. I right. had Benchero going three. All of a sudden, he went to one. What's really funny is the Orlando Magic never even worked him out. He mm-hmm. never really worked out for them. They did the interviews and all that stuff, and I guess they're playing it close to the vest for whatever reason. I was surprised that Benchero went one. Jabari looked very, let's pissed. just call it. He, he was pissed, pissed. He looked pissed that he went third. Um, and then Holmgren went where he was, went, went where he went. But I think you're exactly right. I think with this draft, because there is no surefire LeBron, Tim Duncan, Zion, um, we don't know at this point who may come out of this being the star of the draft. I mean, there are people that that believe that Keegan Murray is the most NBA ready. Mm -hmm. He has the highest floor where his bust potential is relatively low. There are there are many, including you, that have extreme belief in Jaden Ivey that he could eventually be the best player that comes out of this draft um so we really really don't know exactly what's going to happen because there was no consensus superstar but there were a lot of really good players yeah and it really mattered on team fit and uh, i guess the orlando magic's reasoning on drafting banchero is they want to they're in the win now mode so that took uh, chet holgram out of the picture was basically jabari smith versus banchero and with banchero with uh I guess a more developed inside game, uh, as, you know, as well, because Jabari Smith is, is, is a shooter. I mean, if, if you, at, at six, six, nine, 
with that type of shooting, I mean, uh, you wouldn't think twice if you needed a shooter. But I think that the Orlando Magic have that type of, uh, that, those types of players in that system and they're missing the Banchero type that really complements what they have on their roster. So, uh, when everything shakes out and, you know, the write-ups come up, Good pick by the Orlando Magic. Yeah, I mean, early on in the year when Duke played Gonzaga, I think Benchero started off like gangbusters in that first half. He started before the cramps kicked in. And at that point in time, I was like, who? If I had the top pick, I'd go Benchero over Holmgren at that time. And then I think Jabari came on, you know, mm-hmm. as the year went on. He came on strong, but we really don't know. The bottom line is Orlando's been a mess for quite a while. <clears throat> OKC has found a way to be relevant. You know, they do a really good job of developing people. Houston has been a mess and they have some very volatile type players. So I'd be really interested to see how it how it blends in and how it mixes. Um, and then Keegan Murray to Sacramento. I mean, Sacramento has been brutal at Actually, I take that back. They've been pretty good, you know, in picking point guards. But when they go big, you know, with Marvin Bagley, he's now in Detroit now. They typically don't do well when they go big. But I thought Keegan Murray really, really fit them well because you have the two guards already in Dav- in uh, um, the point guard and Davian Mitchell. You have Sabonis down low. I think Keegan Murray fits with them really, really well. So let's just jump in and, and just go. Gang, we're going to reference, I think Ernie and I, just for, just for the topic of discussion because there's so many people that have opinions and we have our own opinions as well. But this gives you a frame of reference if you want to go back and check. We're taking a look at the sporting news and how they have teams ranked. And they have a number of teams that they ranked as A+, starting with the Detroit Pistons. And Ernie, I got to agree. Your thoughts on the the Detroit Pistons' overall draft? I mean, I I love it. I mean, very hard to to screw it up uh, when you get uh, Jaden Ivey at number five, who was predicted by, you know, by some to even go, like, as high as number two, including myself. And then you get Jalen Duran, the... And not with the departure of Jeremy Grant, I think he really fills in uh, that side of the ball, not from an offensive standpoint, because Jeremy Grant is a, you know, is a different animal. But Jalen Duran, as far as from a defensive standpoint and rebounding factor, is the real deal. And they get him at number 13. Again, Jaden Ivey at number five. Uh, they got a slew. This is a very, very young team. Uh, you know, you... Uh, from, you know, from last year, even, even the year before picking up, uh, picks from Orlando, you had, I, uh, you know, you had, uh, Isaac Stewart coming in from there. I mean, I, I, I count like six or seven players coming in within the last two years, excluding this draft class. So, uh, gotta be like, you know, your pick for the best young team. Uh, who we'll see probably in the playoffs in, in two or three years. Yeah, I love Detroit's draft. I mean, I think, I think Jaden Ivey is a perfect compliment to Cade Cunningham, uh, who came on strong this year. I think that backcourt is going to be one of the NBA's best backcourts in say three to four years. Um, I love the Jalen Duran pick. I had him going six in my mock draft. He eventually dropped the 13. But here's the deal, Ernie. Jeremy Grant gets traded for a 2025 uh, first-round pick. They then leverage that pick into Jalen Duran. Now, granted, it was a complicated trade 
that saw them have to bring in a former Celtic, Kemba Walker, which they've already bought out. But to come out of this draft with what I believe to be two of the top six players in the draft, I think the Pistons hit gold. And the other thing, and we were talking about this off the air, a lot of noise, a lot of noise about the Pistons going after DeAndre Ayton. Now they really don't have to. I mean, Jalen Duran is there. Can Duran and Aiton play together? Yes, they can. Um, because one is more offensive minded, one is more defensive minded. So they could complement each other if they wanted to go big, but they can also preserve their assets because they would have had to have given up assets to get Aiton. And now they can go after some other players. I heard that they really want to go after Miles Bridges who would fit in with that young team. Um, so I love what the Pistons did. I thought they did a hell of a job navigating this draft to come out with Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. The other team, Ernie, that I thought did well, um, that I really liked what they did was the San Antonio Spurs. Um, they, the Spurs had three picks in the, in the draft and they went defensive-minded with the first one. Mm -hmm. I think Jeremy Solchan at number nine is a little bit earlier than both of us had predicted, but I get it because he does remind me of Kawhi Leonard when they drafted Kawhi. Kawhi was a defensive specialist, could guard all five positions coming out of college, was not known as an offensive player, developed that as time went on. Jeremy Solchan has, even if he doesn't develop into the offensive player that the Kawhi is, his defensive presence is going to be something that Popovich finds very, very, very um, interesting and be able to use exactly, him. Exactly. Exactly. I, I like that pick. And that's offset by their second uh, first round pick in Malachi Bram. I mean, what what Sochan doesn't have offensively, that, uh, Malachi definitely makes up as far as that is concerned. A, a really good, a really good shooter. Uh, and then they finish off, uh, their, uh, their third first round pick, picking up Blake Wesley, uh, uh, at number 25. So I, I, I like your pick there as far as, uh, you know, San Antonio is concerned. They, you know, and, and there's, there's still, uh, rumblings out there that they, they might even do more this offseason. Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of chatter around, uh, you know, DeJounte Murray, Murray yeah, about what may happen with him and all kinds of possibilities. But they drafted to today's NBA. A lot of versatility. Basically, all three are wings. Malachi Brown came on strong, really improved in the back half of the year. A lot of people, including uh, Jay Bilas, uh, Billis, if you're watching the draft, really had him going a lot higher, as high as number 11. To get him at 20, uh, I think was great. And then Blake Wesley went right where he was supposed to go. So I really like what they did. Um, who would be next for you, Ernie? What uh, what other teams did you think yeah, did well? Uh, I mean, you mean just by, just by sheer number of picks. I, I I like what OKC did. I mean, they got they got Chet at number two, uh, followed by Usman Dieng at number eleven. Now that he he heard a lot of booze, being that the draft was uh, in New York, and of course they had a lot of New York Knicks fans out there. But at number eleven, Usman Dieng is, uh, you know, it might be a small reach. I don't think it's like uh, he was projected as like a, a late first round pick, probably in the probably in the teens. But uh, you know, that's let's just say this: the OKC has enough assets to make up for that. Uh, Followed up, they, but they really followed up, in my opinion, with a great pick. I like, I like Jalen Williams there at number 12. I mean, uh, you know, a, a big offensive threat, uh, 
you know, as far as Jalen Williams is concerned. And then they get, I'm sorry, Jalen Williams. And then they get another Jalen Williams out of Arkansas at number 34. And I love how he played in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, that guy, that guy was, was everywhere. And talk about a, a big that can take charges. He reminded, you know, he reminded me of, uh, boy, who's that Nets guy? Who, who led the NBA in charges, but he was up there. I mean, very, very cerebral guy. And I think he'll, he'll, he'll stick there at, and to get him at 34. I thought that was great. So Holmgren, Yang, Williams and Williams, I, they're going to have to come up with nicknames for the numbering 11 and 12 guy because I don't think they can, uh, get away with JW or J or, or Williams. <laughs> well, I, I, I too like the uh, OKC's draft. I, I think the only question mark that I have there is, is they traded three number one picks to the Knicks to get Dieng there at 11. Now, granted, it's all these picks that they had coming from other teams that have all kind of restrictions attached. But what I like about this is the fits on the team. Um, you have SGA and you have Josh Giddy as as their guards that can very versatile can score can pass uh Jalen Williams the 12th pick Santa Clara Jalen Williams will come come in with a lot more offensive firepower but Chet and Jalen Williams the the 34th pick out of Arkansas are awesome defensive players Chet Holmgren is is a rim protector Jalen Williams as you alluded to takes charges like nobody else's business he led the NCAA this year in drawing charges so you think you have two big men that can play defense there I think this team is young but they are really rounding into form I actually think Dieng is probably a year or two away um so I expect Holmgren and the two Williams to actually have more of an impact this year than Dieng does. But I think long term, Dieng has that freakish length and athletic ability that OKC thinks is going to really, really prosper. So four wonderful picks. Jalen Williams went at 34. My Lakers traded back into the draft at 35. That was the guy I wanted them to take <laughs> at 35 um, because he has that defensive mentality that the Lakers lack. So, OKC, I think they did a real good job. Uh, anyone else, Ernie, that, that you really think did well before we turn our attention to those that may have struggled? Yeah, I mean, uh, hard to, uh, well, as I was going to go into the struggling part, but I cannot fault New York Knicks for doing what they did. I mean, uh, you know, their draft is in the future. Like you said, they, tra- they traded their number 11 pick for three f- future, uh, first round, their first round picks. Well, well they're all about getting Jalen Brunson, right? Yeah. So they're trying to trade it out of the first round to save their money to try to go get a free agent. I thought at 42, getting Trevor Keels from Duke at 42 was really, really, really good value for them. But I would think that you would think the Houston Rockets had a really good draft because you were high on Jabari. You know, Jabari Smith, and you were high on Ty Ty Washington, and they actually got Ty Ty at number 29. Yeah, I just don't know how the fit of Jabari would have, I would have loved Banchero there more than, uh, Jabari. I just, I just see Jabari and, uh, Jalen Green not having, uh, boy, not having, I guess, enough balls, you know, on the court for both of them to shoot. Both of them are ball dominant, uh, type of players. Uh, but who knows? They'll, they'll, they'll figure out a, a, a way to work out that scenario. Ty Ty, I was surprised how far that he dropped. So I really like that pickup 
for them. I mean, I, it looks like they're they're trying to get out of uh, their guard, uh, and his name just slips me right now. Uh, but you know, Tai Tai, if he performs well in the in the preseason and in summer leagues. He's going to have a very good shot of, you know, cracking that starting lineup early. So I like it. I don't love it, but you know, we'll, it's, it's, it's a way to see the, the one that I, I like a little bit more than that. I, I thought was the, the Pelicans. I like the pickup of Dyson Daniels. I mean, he's going to, he's going to, to me, he's one of those plug and plays that you could uh, plug and play players that you put on any team, but EJ Liddell to get him dropping at, at number 41. I mean, I, I felt for the guy. I mean, what was, what came out on his pre-draft, uh, you know, scenario that made him fall so far is baffling to me. I expected this guy to be. Were you talking about a two-time Big Ten defensive, um, all all defensive team as well as all Big Ten? So a great defender, great fit there. I, I you know, I think in New Orleans because he gives him some versatility at the three and the four when Zion comes in. An offensive and defensive presence coming off the bench. I agree with you. Uh, yeah, but for him to drop to 41, there's got to be some con- concerns. That's too many. I had this guy, you know, at, at, at worst in the early 20s of, of, of my Bach. And you know what? There must be some red flags out there uh, that is that made him drop to 41. I just hope he has a chip on his shoulder right now saying, you know what? For the 20 or for all 30... 30 teams that passed me by in the first round, excluding the, the Pelicans, of course. I'm, I'm out to prove myself. Now, the one thing about the NBA draft, Ernie, that I really have a problem with and I have a real pet peeve with is the way that they construct the drafts and the, the trades during the draft. I mean, there are trades that are happening. And at the end of the day, you don't really know which team has which players because of the way they do it. In the NFL, if I trade my Ram pick to the Steelers, it's like the, there has been a trade. The Rams have traded their pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are now on the clock. There is clarity at the end of the day at who drafts what. Now, that doesn't happen in the NBA. And that leads me to what I want to talk about with the Indiana Pacers. There was no greater chatter than the Pacers trading a Brogdon, trading a Buddy Heel, trading a Miles Turner. None of that happened on draft night. However, who they drafted leads me to believe that there are trades that are still about to happen. They took Benedict Mathurian with the number six pick. Love this pick. Pac-12 uh, player of the year. First team All-American. Two, two-way player. Offensive player, defensive player. Great pick there. They come back with the first pick of the second round. Andrew Nebhard, who went way up the draft process. You know, during the draft process, his stock went up and up and up. A true point guard there. He goes at 31. And then to me, they steal Kendall Brown at 48. Freshman out of Baylor that was going to be a top 10 pick. He did suffer an injury and that kind of impacted his, his productivity. But I think to get him at 48, uh, long athletic wing that can defend and can shoot. I think the Pacers had a great draft. I just don't know who they're going to keep. 
it leads me to believe that by drafting Mathurian and Nebhard, Brogdon. that Brogdon, Brogdon and Heald are definitely on, and Miles Turner, for that matter, are definitely on their way out. Yeah, I, you, you'd have, I mean, there would be no rhyme or reason for them to, to go this way unless, uh, you know, the, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's been out there. It's, it's been out there on the web, you know, offers, uh, you know, not offers, but you know, it's been out there that at, at, at least on a wide range that both, uh, Turner and Brogdon are, uh, they're taking orders. You know, they're, they're seeing what they can get as far as a feel out for, for those two particular players, you know, and I think Matherin and Nebhardt and with the, uh, you know, uh, with the addition of their, of, of their, of their, uh, trades from the trade deadline last year, I think they, you know, with, in Tyrese Halliburton and, and whatnot, uh, and Jalen, forgot what his name was from Johnson. From, yeah. No, from Phoenix. Oh, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. I, I, I think their, you know, their, their mode is obviously going for, for, for youth at this time and, and setting up their timeline. Uh, so, you know, that, that's their process. You know, this definitely, uh, I agree with you. It definitely shows that, you know, their mode is, is for the future that rather than now. Okay. So let's talk about teams that we think struggled and I'll be go first. Let's start with the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> okay. So Max Christie at 35, we trade back into the draft. Um, I don't like this pick. I, I mean, Max Christie struggled in his first year. He's a little bit lanky. He is a former five-star recruit, but I think he was very disappointing overall this year with Michigan State. This reeks of Magic Johnson homerism, uh, drafting a Michigan State player. But to me, with players like EJ Lydell and, and Jaden Hardy and Kennedy Chandler, all available at 35 to end up with with Max Christie is something that I have a problem with. Now, before I say that the Lakers had the worst draft, we do have to say that the Suns, the Nets, and the Jazz had no picks in this draft, so they couldn't have done bad. I did not like my Laker pick. I didn't like the Clipper pick as well. The Clippers chose uh, Musa Diabate, highly athletic uh Claire, I'm a Michigan fan. He was a disappointment this year at Michigan. Most people didn't have him in the top 60 picks. I was surprised when he decided to turn pro. Obviously, the Clippers must have told him that they had a guarantee on him that if he was available, they would take him. If they can harness his athleticism, maybe that's that's something that's good for them. But I thought for the teams that picked... The two LA teams did not help themselves as much as they could have. Yeah, for for the LA Clippers, I mean, it's not it doesn't uh, hurt that bad. I mean, Diabate was at number forty three. I'm more concerned about the Chicago Bulls. They had the 18th pick, and they they you know they chose a a, a big guard, but uh, you know that leads me to believe uh, uh, you know with them bringing on uh, you know Ball and Caruso and drafting uh, Dosunmu. Uh, a couple of drafts ago, what, where are they going on top of this? Are, 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 you know, uh, definitely other needs out there rather than, uh, you know, the guard play out there. 
Uh, Dalen Terry that they got at number 18 is a good player. It's just that for, for the position that they, they picked was a, a little head scratching to me. I also didn't like Memphis Grizzly. They took my guy who I thought was going to be at number 53 and Jake La, La Ravia. They got him at 19. I had this guy falling to the Boston Celtics last week at number, at number 53, but you know, he, he might prove me wrong. He looks like he's been flying up that, uh, uh, that draft board. And they get, uh, David Roddy at number 23. I thought 23 for Roddy was a little bit high. It was, it's high. But I think what saved them is getting Kennedy Chandler at there 30, at 38. Yeah, at, at, at 38. That, that, that's true. That's uh, true. Kennedy Chandler was a good pick. I just don't like, uh, they, to me, they could have done better at 19 and 23 for me. Yeah, that's probably true. And then the Golden State Warriors, the defending champions, they take Patrick Baldwin at 28. Now, Patrick Baldwin was a top five pick coming into his freshman year in college. He was one of the highest ranked recruits out there uh, coming into this year. Decided to play small ball with his dad, who is the coach at a small school, Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. Struggled this year. But I think he goes, this is just, to me, a prototypical Golden State Warrior pick. They don't need help right now. They know the talent that he is. They know that they can develop him over a couple of years. Um, I think Patrick Baldwin is going into a ideal situation for him where he can get his confidence back and he can build. Golden State doing what Golden State does to me. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just to round up who I thought kind of struggled on top of here, it would have to be uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Walker Kessler, although he did have a great college career. A defensive player of the year in, in, in college basketball I, this year. I, I, I seriously doubt if that translates into the NBA. I don't think, I don't think that it, it, uh, he's uh, athletic enough to, you know, even get. You're just salty because he left North Carolina <laughs> for Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> who, does, who does that? You know, he, he, he got his payback. In the NCAA tournament when yeah. North Carolina. See, that's very different. I actually like the fit with Walker Kessler in, in Minnesota. And I actually like what Minnesota did. I got to be honest. I don't know a whole lot about Josh Minot from Memphis and then Matteo Spagnola uh, with their 45th and 50th picks. But I think Kessler is a great compliment to to uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who's more of an outside shooter. Mm -hmm. They need a defensive presence there. Walker Kessler is not going to be expected to score. But if he can be the rim protector that lets Cap be more of a four than a five, I think that's good. And then when the more is just versatility. He'll give you defense. He's a stat sh uh, sheet stuffer. I think he'll complement what they already have there um, in Minnesota. Yeah. So I, I thought it was an okay draft. I like their first two picks. I got to be honest. I don't know a lot about the last two. Yeah, and 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 the, and the last two are are our second rounders. So you know, they're just by by sheer percentages, uh, they might be insignificant. Uh, yeah, I, 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 Wendell Moore is okay. I I, I just don't see Walker Kessler panning out on the NBA level. I may be wrong. He might prove me wrong, we'll, but so it's a wait and see. I just have my doubts on One that. One thing that we were both correct on is Mark Williams ended up with the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> I mean, I thought at one point Charlotte was ending up with Jalen Duran and Mark Williams. Was like, wow, they're going to go big. And then they packaged him. Right. Um, but we were right there. So we'll hang our hats on that as we transition away from the draft into free agency, okay. which starts... Um, 
lot of questions, Kyrie. What's going to happen with Kyrie? What do the Lakers do with Westbrook or AD or maybe even LeBron? Do the, any of them trade them? DeAndre Ayton, where does he end up? It really doesn't seem like he's going to stay in Phoenix. And then Wiggins and Poole in Golden State, are they going to re-up both of them? I've seen that Golden State is ready to offer Poole four years and $100 million. Oh my goodness. What, what is left for Wiggins or what do they do? And then James Harden. So a lot to unpack there. Ernie, start us off wherever you want in terms of the NBA free agency or trade market. Where are we going in the next week or two? Well, first of all, let me say who I think is going to stay put. Because I think there's a lot of chatter out there. I think there's a lot of uh, posturing going out there as far as Kyrie Irving is concerned. And even with Kyrie Irving, you know, his his teammate out there and Kevin Durant has even put out uh, their speculation that he may even be on the, uh, you know, on the trading blocks if uh, Kyrie uh, is traded out there. I really think Kyrie stays, in my opinion. I don't think there's a team out there that, uh, you know, especially, I mean, guys, it started from Cleveland. I mean, he had a dream scenario out there. Could have won multiple championships, in my opinion. And and he forced his his way out uh, going to the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics were actually preseason favorites when Kyrie Irving joined that team along with uh, Gordon Hayward. Uh, but they didn't get they didn't they didn't sniff it. Uh, crap happened in regards to his attitude and the way that he viewed his teammates as well as he viewed himself. Uh, you know, didn't renew up with him when he told the fans that uh, he was going to do it. Uh, combines his efforts uh, with Durant to go to the Nets. Uh, and for the last two years, prohibitive favorites to win the NBA championships. But again, his antics get into the way. All basketball court issues. The Nets will not sign him to what he wants, which is a max contract, five years, $243 million. I, I wouldn't want to do that. That leads me to believe who else would want to do that? The guy has in the last three seasons out of the 246 games in the last three seasons, he's only, he's only played in 45% of those games. I think it was like 103 games that he's played in the last three. Yeah. And, and then you add to that his outside noise. You add to that his outside noise. Which is a big part of the reason why. The outside noise is big, is the biggest reason why he's not playing in these games for whatever the reason. Exactly. Is. I do agree with you, Ernie, that there's no way you re-sign him to a max five-year extension. There's no way that that's going to happen. I think it all starts with what does Kyrie do? Does he opt out of his contract? Cause right now he has a $37 million contract for next year. If he opts out, that's when he can, he can become a free agent. I am totally with you. I don't see another team giving him now, if he went to another team, he'd only be able to get four years. But I don't see another team giving him four years and $190 million no. because you can't trust that he's going to be there for you. Now, I heard rumblings earlier in the week, a lot of chatter with Kyrie going to the Lakers. The Lakers are the highest rated team in terms of a possible destination for Kyrie. That Kyrie said he would play for the mid-level just to spite the Nets to play with the Lakers. Um, now... Let's preface this by saying, if we can get Kyrie for the mid-level, it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. It is. It's worth the risk. I can't imagine. 
that he would do that. But then this is Kyrie. I mean, obviously Kyrie is not money motivated. He walks away from a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't believe he was paid when he opted out because of the vaccine. I could be wrong. Maybe he did get paid. He didn't. But I believe he forfeited all of that money. So he's not truly money motivated. And I wouldn't shock me that he's spiteful. But I think Kyrie really is the center point of all of free agency. Because the Nets have decisions to make. It's not just Kyrie. But if you're going to get rid of Kyrie... What do we do with Durant? Exactly. Do we just start a massive rebuild, get away from the massive contracts, and trade Kevin Durant? Um, I know Jason Tatum's talking to Kevin Durant, trying to get him to, to consider Boston or Miami. But I think that's going to be the driving force. What do the Nets do? Do they all come back? That seems unlikely at this point, really, that they're all going to come back, um, meaning Kyrie, Durant, and Ben Simmons, let's not forget that he is a member of that team. So I think the Nets are, are the key right now as to where things go and how this free agency trade season could play out. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's going to have definitely a domino effect. But I think he stays. I think Harden stays. I think... I think Westbrook. You think Durant? You think Kyrie stays, and then that would mean that Durant stays, stays. and Simmons stays, exactly, and and Brooklyn comes back. Yeah, because I I think there's too much to lose with the teams that they're on. There's too little to gain from a financial standpoint and championship standpoint uh, for the players. I think they've got as I mean, yes, they got swept in the first round, but it was all single digit losses. They did not have Ben Simmons. They did not have Harris. Yeah. You know, those two guys are, are, are going to be available. There's no doubt that if Brooklyn comes back intact and fully healthy, I do believe they are the favorite in the East. Now they haven't proven that they can stay healthy yet in the three years that they've been together. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. With Kyrie's situation, it's really weird. If he opts in, then I think it's fine. But if he opts out, ooh, I don't know if if the the Nets are going to pony up what he's asking yeah, for. He's, he's not. Uh, it's going to come down somewhere in the middle. I believe it's going to be a two year deal. Who knows? Maybe ninety million dollars. Even though Kyrie doesn't want it, I think it's going to be it'll be the best financial deal for him, and it's, it'll mitigate the you know the risk for the Nets. So I believe that's what's going to happen. So those big names, I think Bradley Beal is another free agent out there that I think is going to stay in Washington with what Washington. Well, Adrian Wojnarowski came out this week saying that Bradley Beal has already decided that he's going to play with the Miami Heat. He's going to sign a five-year contract with the Miami Heat. That's what he said. Now, if something changes, um, that, that could be, that, that could materialize. But Wojo came out this week saying Bradley Beal to Miami is a done deal. I don't believe it. <laughs> you don't believe it or you don't want to believe I, it? I don't, I, 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 I don't believe it. I, Wow. Okay. Yeah. He's saying that there's no way he's going back to Washington. Okay. At this point in time, he is committed to winning and he believes in the best case situation in terms of money, years, and the chance to win that the Miami Heat, um, is where he's going. Okay. Cause if, 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 if that, if that happens, then they're losing a ton of assets as far as that trade is concerned. You know, then you're looking at maybe, you know, dumping Kuzma out there. Uh, to, you know, maybe, uh. You're talking about Miami? Yeah. No, I'm talking about, I, I, I'd be surprised if it's going to be, uh, Beal and Kuzma for, for. 
Well, what Beal is going to do is what Wojo is saying is that Beal is going to opt out of his contract and sign as an unrestricted free agent. So Miami's not going to have to give up anything to get Bradley Beal. Now, for salary cap reasons, they may have to purge some salary. So that could be something different. But what Woj is saying is Beal's going to opt out of his Washington contract and sign with Miami as a free agent. I hate Miami. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? When I when I think about it, I mean, I, they desperately trying to get rid of certain assets. Miami's trying to get rid of Duncan Robinson. Uh, Duncan Robinson. They're trying to get rid of Kyle Lowry. They're trying to, you know, Tyler Hero has already said he doesn't want to play there if he's not going to be a starter. And if you bring it in Bradley Beal, it's even more Worse, likely yeah. that he's going to be a starter. So if you purge those players, I think it's going to be critical to see who they would bring back because Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler are duplicate players. Mm-hmm. They play the same position. Now, it is a positionless NBA, but still, I'm not sure Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo is going to get it done in the East over the likes of the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Nets if they come back intact. But Bradley Bill wants to win, and you know what? I don't blame him. I mean, he's been in a pathetic situation there with the Washington Wizards, so him wanting to win doesn't surprise me. What do you think about James Harden? A lot of chatter that he's going to opt in, and then the Sixers are going to give him a two-year contract extension. Uh, that, that I believe. Okay, personally, I wouldn't do it. I know you feel differently. I think James Harden at this point in time needs to opt in because there's nobody else that's going to pay him 47 plus million this year. There's no one else that's going to do it. If I'm Philly, I let him opt in and I make him prove that he's serious about being healthy and serious about being in shape um, because towards the end of last year and into the playoffs, he was not worth $47 million a year. Now, Philadelphia is planning on extending him for two years at, say, $80 mm-hmm. million. That becomes a three-year, $130 million contract. I personally wouldn't pay it to him, um, but you feel different. I, I, I feel that you need to because what you gave up for, for James Harden was Ben Simmons, you know, Curry, and who else? And two number one. Exactly. And, and Drummond. Yeah. And well, yeah, Drummond was what was an expiring contract anyways, but the two number one. But see, that's what I'm afraid of for Philadelphia. I think they have that mindset is like, oh my gosh, we gave up so much to get him. Exactly. We got to see what he's worth. No, because and, if, and, and that, if you let him go into a contract season and he's an unrestricted free agent, you, you, you potentially can lose everything you won't get anything in return at least if you're he's under contract you can trade him yes yeah and and this is where i I was telling ernie i i think he's more tradable as a expiring contract at the trade deadline than he will be on an extension of 80 million dollars over the next two years because somebody to acquire him is going to have to eat that salary and that's a hard it's hard to absorb 40 million dollars a year as my lakers are trying to figure out and trying to get purge themselves of russell westbrook so anything harden extends and stays in, in the 76ers i think if they do it's good for ernie celtics and everybody else in the east because i think harden is done as the Harden that we know. He could still be a competent player, but competency doesn't mean 40 to $50 million a year. So Golden State, Wiggins and Poole, we talked about Poole. Uh, the rumor is he's going to be offered four years, $100 million. Wiggins is also available for an extension. 
Does Golden State run it back and go to a $450 million payroll or any? What do you say? I heard the owner of the Golden State Warriors saying that money is not an issue. He wants his core veterans to win as many championships as yep. possible. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think they're able to sign, even though it's going to be ridiculous because they're, they're repeater tax after repeater tax. Yep. So I know, I know there was a case for, uh, Boston signing Duncan Robinson, who's at 17 million right now. And that effectively would have cost Boston $50 million in yeah. real money. But so to sign those guys at, at a hundred million dollars for pool. And then you, and Wiggins is going to definitely get in the 30 range. You're, you're talking about a half a billion dollar team. Yeah. And see, so here's the thing. I think Kevin Looney is gone. I think Wiseman and Kaminga, I, I think Looney is one that's going to be let go. I don't think he's worth bringing back at $10 million because I think he'll stunt the growth of the young guys. Uh, I do think they bring back Wiggins. I do think they bring back Poole. One staggering number that I heard, Ernie, is that the Golden State Warriors, just from the Chase Center and the games and the operations and the tickets and the concession, they make $700 million just from that component before the TV revenues and all the other revenues that are shared. So they are one team that can certainly afford to pay half a billion dollars in salary and luxury taxes if it translates into championships and still have a profit to show, which is staggering when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. I mean, I'm, I, I, I would, I would look for, uh, especially those small market teams to make that an issue in the next collective bargaining agreement. Cause, uh, when teams are able to do that and really not suffer uh, something in, uh, on the red line, uh, you know, it becomes an unfair yeah. play. Well, I think what the NBA really tried to do is to make sure that they put a, a system in place that allows you to be rewarded for developing your players. And if you want to keep your own players, that's one thing. Right. Um, Wiggins falls kind of outside of that, but everybody else that they have, including Looney, you know, are people that they've drafted and they've developed. So that's a staggering number though. If you had a half a billion dollar salary, whoo, that's going to be, that's going to be staggering. Any other major things in terms of free agency that you're looking forward to? I'm not your looking, Celtics. I, I am not looking for anything big because I even think a name that we haven't even touched on is Zach Levine. I believe he's going to resign unless you, Woj has said something else. No, about, I, I think he's going to resign because that guy has so many injuries to his knees that, oh, he's a risk. But I think he is Mr. Chicago, uh, has been there his whole career. And I believe he stays. Yeah. Playing. To me, it's going to be, it's, it's all going to be these mid guys. I think the biggest name out there as far as salary is concerned is Orlando's Gary Harris. I believe he may be shipped out, but, uh, and then from there, you got guys like Ricky Rubio, uh, Joe Inglis. Uh, Yusuf Nurchik, which I believe will probably be resigned. And then you got like guys like TJ Warren. So very, very uneventful types of free agents. I believe that the, the chatter will be, uh, you know, focused on these big, you know, the big ticket names that are outstanding out there. But I believe when all is said and done, uh, that the only guy that may be moved is like what is, what is that Woj bomb on Bradley Beal? And even that one, I have, uh, 
and reservations course. Okay, so we're going to transition into some, you know, we talked a lot about Golden State. Of course, Steph Curry is Mr. Golden State. We're going to talk about his place in history. Is he a top 10 player? But one thing about the, I, I forgot to mention when we're talking about the NBA draft, but I got to think the NBA is going to have a problem because Wojciechowski was saying who the team was picking before they were announcing the pick. I don't know if you were seeing that, but it's like, oh, middle, uh, right at 23, this trade is going to happen and Minnesota's drafting Roddy with the 23rd pick. And then they announced the pick. And I was thinking, Adam Silver can't be happy that they're announcing before the pick is made who the pick is going to be. But uh, anyway, I, I digress from that. So Ernie, Steph Curry, four NBA championships, two regular season MVPs, finally won a finals MVP. In your opinion, is he a top 10 player? As great, I mean, Steph has done a number of things. He, he's, he's, he's actually changed the game. Yeah, he really has. He changed the game as far as he's, I mean, three point shooting, uh, is, is different nowadays. I mean, he's, he's turned that, he's turned that up a, a, a notch. So that counts for something. Uh, four NBA titles, you know, uh, that counts for something. But as far as top 10 is concerned, I, in my book, he falls, he falls a little bit shy of my top 10. I mean, it's very difficult to, to see the players out there as far as all time greats and see who he really pushes out of there. I mean, uh, there, I mean, yeah, it's hard. So, it's, so it's, just it's generally tough. speaking, Ernie, I mean, just for, just for our listeners frame of reference, I think just generally speaking, these are, widely considered to be currently the top 10 players in no particular order other than number one, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Kareem, Larry Bird, Will Chamberlain, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and Bill Russell. In some way, shape, or form, they seem to be the consensus top 10. Yeah, and and if he has any chance, it would, in my opinion, in my book, does he beat Duncan? And in my book, he doesn't beat Duncan. Yeah, see, it's not Duncan to me. I think, I think the mindset is going to be how much do you respect old time basketball? Like from your childhood, Ernie, with Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain <laughs> to current basketball. I think that's the question. Bill Russell won 11 titles. Um, so from this list, I think Will Chamberlain had the most unbelievable statistical records that there were. Right. But he could never really beat Bill Russell. Right. So the two of them together, if I had to pick one or the other, I'm going to keep Bill Russell. But can you really compare a, a, a time when in the 50s when Bill Russell was playing to now when there were only 12 teams and there were no international presence? Um, that That's where I struggle. So I do think because for the single fact that Steph Curry has changed the game. Unlike anyone else on this list, other than Kareem, okay. I think Kareem changed basketball because he changed the rules. They didn't allow dunking in college. They didn't, they changed the rules to account for Kareem Abdul Jabbar at that point in time. And I think Steph Curry has done that with the three point shot and how basketball is played 
even more so than Michael Jordan. He's not better than Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan didn't change the game like Steph Curry did. So I would slip Steph Curry in at number 10, and I would remove Will Chamberlain, who only had one championship, wow. I believe. Wow. I would leave Bill Russell in because he's won 11. Um, Kobe's won five. Duncan's won five. Bird won three with three MVPs. Kareem won six with six MVPs. Magic won five. LeBron won four. Jordan won six. Curry won four. Wilt won one. Okay. So uh, from that perspective, uh, he would be the one to uh, go for uh, me. I'm going to challenge your litmus test on top of that in regards to old-time stats. Because would you consider Jesse Owens, the, all, the great Olympian from the 1930s, 1940s, as one of the top Olympians of all time. I would, but I, I think okay, that... Let, uh, let, okay, let, let me just reference this. I only say that because the fastest women in today's game, in 2022, would have came in second to him in that particular race. In fact, the, they would all be... The, the next 10 people would be next to... Jesse Owens would have still won that race, but the next 10 would be women on yeah. top of that no and I, I agree i think his place in history jesse owen would be solidified but you're talking about he was game changer because he wasn't even racing against african-americans or blacks from around the world because of racism so i i think from that perspective he is game changing but no way shape or form is he as good as carl lewis or certainly not as good as usain bolt but what know, from yeah, that but, point but, from that point but, in history no my, no my standpoint is that he is and with today's type of what we put in, why we are bigger, stronger, faster in, today, yeah. in today's age, a lot has to do with diet. Yeah. If you eat and training. The, exactly. And the way you can train and the way that you can, the supplements that you can put in your body, the, the type of, I mean, let's just look at the Golden State Warriors facility. They've got pressure, uh, tracks where they know where you're stepping. You know, they know exactly what, how much pressure is on your toe versus your heel inside that gym. Mm -hmm. They got yep. cameras that have face recognition sure. regard, in regards to you taking a shot, where you're taking it, and you have that stat sheet at the end of the practice to tell you where, because it's, it's all artificial intelligence. That was not prevalent back there. You cannot say it because of the advances in technology and because of the advances in nutrition in today's age, in today's game, that if that wasn't present during those times with the same type of competition, because you know what? Iron, uh, iron forges iron. If I am the best player in my high school and no one can touch me, I will never hit my limits until I get challenged by a, the best player from another high school. So with that competition out there, if those players, I, there can be no reason beyond that, in my opinion, that Will Chamberlain would have had a different uh, training. I mean, the guy was known to be a, a playboy going out late at night because no one challenged him. The guy scored 100 points in a game. Well, he couldn't get past Bill Russell, though. And, and that's why, I mean, that. and again, I think your frame of reference is to anyone is what do you value as being the most important? Will Chamberlain is statistically the greatest basketball player of all time. Right. You know, his stats are just mind-boggling but yet he only won one championship and i think to be in the top 10 it has to be about championships as well and i think from that perspective to me that's where he's vulnerable 
to being boosted by Steph Curry. Um, but it's a great argument. I mean, I, and I think it's a wide shit argument. I mean, there are people that would say if Kobe didn't win five, is Kobe really top 10? Is Shaq really top 10? He won four. Is He was dominant. He won three finals MVPs, but he shot 40% from the line. Is Robert Horry top 100? He's no. got six. Well, it's not just about <laughs> winning championships. You have to have the personal accolades as well. Exactly. All of these guys are MVPs yeah, I'm, in the I'm, regular I'm, season I'm as well. I'm just being devil's advocate on top of that. Curry is a great player. Uh, finals MVP just this year. And you could argue that this was the worst Golden State team out there. I mean, the the times that they had Durant on those Golden State teams, I mean, to me, that wasn't even fair, you know, and Durant won the MVP. Iguodala won the MVP before that. So, I mean, I could see if if Curry outplayed Durant, because right now, I I have a hard time putting Curry ahead of Durant. If if you want to, my honest opinion, if you want to say, who's the best player, who who would I take? If I took any player right now, who would I take? Curry would not be, I, I mean, I would take Giannis before Curry. I would take Durant before Curry. I would take even LeBron at his, uh, in his age before Curry right now. So for me to put him in the top 10 when his yeah. last really biggest thing was to win the, the MVP, uh, you know, in the conference, uh, in the NBA championship, it, it's I, difficult. I, and I think that's what's polarizing, not necessarily polarizing, but that makes, that's why this is such a riveting discussion because there's so many ways that you can take a look right, at this. Right. There are many people that are going to say when Durant was with the Golden State, he was the best player in the team. He probably was. He won the MVP those two years. But I think what separates Durant from Curry and what I think Curry supporters can say is Curry's won before Durant, Curry's won with Durant, and now Curry's won after Durant, where Kevin Durant never won before Curry, and he had Russell Westbrook and James Harden, and he's not won after Curry, and he's had Kyrie and others with them. And I think that's where Steph advocates will point to that. So it's not a discussion that has a clear answer. That's what makes this so much fun. And the reality is, Steph's not done yet. I mean, they win another one or another two. He gets the five and six championships. Yeah, then he's definitely gonna be yeah, considered a top ten. Yeah. If 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 that happens, then uh, I don't think that's gonna happen though, because I think the Boston Celtics are gonna win the next two championships. <laughs> All right. On that note, Ernie, I'm going to change it back to you. Your closing thought. I believe we're staying in the NBA. We told you, gang, it's going to be 100% NBA today. We'll start football next week. But Ernie, where are you going with your closing thought? You you know, I think I gave too much foreshadowing, you know, during the beginning part of the show when we started talking about Kyrie Irving. I wanted to expand on the the, the Kyrie Irving take. I mean, to me, Kyrie Irving... deserves all the negative financial repercussions uh, that's going to come about for him. Uh, just based on the fact from where he started, as I alluded to earlier, I mean, he forced his way out from a terrific situation uh, in Cleveland when he was second fiddle to LeBron James, uh, you know, when he, that, that could have been, you know, the sec- a second dynasty, uh, and maybe Curry doesn't have four championships at that particular point in time. Uh, he forced his way into Boston. Uh, again, they did better when he was not on the court 
then when he was on the court, I think there was a statistic out there. The games played with Kyrie Irving, they were at oh, this particular winning percentage. And when he didn't play, uh, that percentage was even higher. Case in point, when he was injured going into the 2019 playoffs, when him and Gordon Hayward were, were both injured, the Boston Celtics made it to the Eastern Conference Finals two games seven against LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So they definitely, and that's without Kyrie Irving and uh, uh, Gordon Hayward. Uh, again, when he was, when he went into uh, the, the, the Brooklyn situation, he was bragging that this was going to be a, you know, a dynasty that people were going to be talking about for the next 20 or 30 years. Mind you, Kyrie Irving is a lightning bolt in regards to his, you know, his post-game comments. I mean, uh, I'm not even going to go into the world is flat theory and, re- uh, you know, that he boasted about, but it has a negative effect in regards to the NBA. It has a ne- negative effect in regards to the teams and the teammates that he's around. The only one who is able to overcome this, and this is early in Kyrie Irving's career, was one LeBron James who is argue, arguably in the, you know, number one, two, or three in regards to how you're going to vote him as a far as greatest of all time. Uh, so when he comes into a situation where he wants more money, he's not going to get it in my book. Okay. I don't think, I think he's done enough in regards to what he's shown the league, what he's shown to his teammates. Uh, what he's shown to particular owners and GMs that, you know, the NBA isn't number one for him. Now, I'm not saying the, he's, he's in it for himself. I believe he is a good person. He, he has ideals like you, like you mentioned earlier, Monty. I mean, from a financial standpoint, he, you know, it might not be his number one motivator. I do believe it is a motivator. Uh, but, you know, I'll give it that it might not be number one, but he's trying to make up for $17 million that he lost because he decided that he didn't want to take a, a COVID shot. OK, now, I, I, I'm on record on past shows that I, I, I stand with him in regards to that particular decision and that he should have gotten paid because there's other players out there that got paid, but they were in a more uh, favorable uh, location where their city allowed them to play, where Kyrie wasn't. To me, it should be straight across the board, not on, you know, the city and county that you reside in. So, but the fact of the matter is he didn't get paid. I think he wants to get that money. He wants to make up for that 17 million. There's another conspiracy theorist, uh, argument that says that he's not playing these games because he wants to play well into his late thirties. And if he's only playing two thirds of the game or if the last three years, 45% of the games, that his body will not have that same wear and tear. Mm-hmm. So he could very well last into his late thirties. Curry is 34. Kyrie Irving is 30 right now. I can easily assume that Kyrie will still be at near his prime at the very least four years from now. Okay, so there's still a lot of basketball to play, but he does not, the teams, he cannot manipulate other teams, uh, at least from a financial standpoint, uh, to give him that. He, he just doesn't deserve it. 
he is he is not Curry esque in regards to winning the championships. He is a very what he is is a very talented player with very strong opinions, with very strong motives, who is basically trying to have the sun revolve around him. He is not the center of the universe. I mean, the NBA is bigger than that. And I think when all is said and done, all the dust settles, Kyrie Irving, like I said earlier, will settle for his contract and he'll have crow on his feet because I believe that's going to be the best situation for him. He might say now that he's going to take the mid-level exception. I want to hear it. I want to, I want to see that. For him to bow down back to LeBron James, whom... He talked bad about when he left Cleveland, who he talked shit about when he left Cleveland. And I just, I just don't, I just don't see that happening. Gang, if Ernie is nothing, he is consistent in his infatuation with Kyrie Irving. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this love affair has gone on for much longer than the sports rivals. Um, He is. Definitely not on Kyrie's top of his his list. But, the, you know, what Ernie is saying is not wrong, in my opinion. I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, Kyrie, uh, for all of his talent, has always been a little bit iffy in terms of his reliability, per se. Initially, it was injuries that would take him out. Recently, it's social causes and social injustices and 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 all kinds of things that gets him out. So you don't know if he's reliable physically. You don't know if he's reliable mentally. So I got to agree with Ernie. I would not do it even as much as, you know, a lot of people would love to see him within LA with LeBron and AD. Uh, I don't see that happening. Um, and I, I too agree. I don't know who out there in the NBA would give him a long-term max contract right now. I don't think the Nets are either. So there's going to be an impasse. If the Nets are not going to give him what he wants, then they should get rid of him because he's going to make it miserable for them if they don't. So I got to agree with you there. I mean, if you want to watch Uncle Drew and see how good he was in that movie, his skills are off the chart. Um, but his actual productivity and worth, other than hitting the game-winning shot in Game 7 to win the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers their title, he has never really been a winner. Never. Before LeBron, he was. there were lottery picks in Cleveland. Exactly. Since he's left, teams have been better with, with or without him. him. You know, so he's not a difference maker in terms of wins. So I got to agree with you there. I wouldn't take him unless he was on the mid-level. Then the risk becomes worth it. So Ernie's love affair with Kyrie Irving continues. Kyrie, we'd love to have you on one day if you want to discuss this situation with Ernie. Ernie, anything else NBA related? I don't know. I'm perspiring right now. All right. You see how (laughs) fired up he gets when he talks Kyrie. So, gang, that wraps up another week. June is coming to an end. By the time we get back with you next week, we're going to be moving into July. It'll be the 4th of July weekend, which means baseball's at their mid-season point, and football is right Right around around the corner. So, check us out on sports media, uh, on social media at Sports Rivals Podcast at IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. We appreciate 
appreciate your support. We appreciate your comments, suggestions, and just the overall discussion because we're committed to putting on a good show for you and making this the fastest growing sports podcast in the United States. And we can't do that without you. So until next week, Ernie, the sports rivals are out. for joining us on the sports rivals podcast check us out on social media at sports rivals podcasts on instagram and at sports rivals pod on twitter where you can share topics you'd like to hear 